and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Carney and I am your host. Welcome to Book of Leaves, an Irish podcast where I interview people in Ireland that are doing something good for the planet. And the whole idea is myself and you, the listeners, can take a leaf out of their book and, of course, listen to their story and just feel a little bit more inspired to take action in regards to the climate. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to another podcast host called Dara Wynn. If you are a longtime listener of Book of Leaves, you will know that I have been on the Climate Alarm Clock podcast, which Dara hosts with Anna and Kira. And I have such a great time anytime that I work or spend time or record with them. They're just such a great bunch of people. And it was so lovely to finally have a chance to chat to Dara about his personal journey because I've been on his podcast a couple of times. So yeah, it's a been great to have him here. Um, I obviously missed last week, so this podcast is released every two weeks, usually once per season. There's about 20 episodes per season and once per season there'll be something that will come up if I'm sick or on holidays or something that will make me miss a week. And I've just been so busy with work recently, um, thankfully, because I love the work that I do, but it meant that I just was chasing my tail and I was sick for a few days and I just couldn't release an episode for you last Monday. So apologies about that. But hopefully now I will be back on track. And the reason I've been so busy, so you can obviously fast forward like two or three minutes in to when Dara will start chatting. And there is also the timestamps listed in the show notes below so if there's anything specifically that you want to tune into at any certain point in any podcast episode just look at the show notes and if you want to skip the intro where I'm chatting to you about what's been going on with me you can absolutely no pressure but yeah I just want to let you guys know that the reason that I have been so busy is because I've been working on a show called The Curious Case of Albert Cashier Lincoln's Lady Soldier which is an amazing production that's going on a 17 venue national tour now I know obviously I'm biased I'm going like I'm working for it but I've worked on a lot of theatre plays in my career um, thankfully over the last 10 years that I've been working and this is the absolute highlight and I don't know if anything will ever will ever top it it's it's my proudest piece of work so if um, you're interested in coming and seeing something it's not climate related but it's about an unknown transgender Irish soldier who emigrated Ireland just after the famine enlisted in the civil war and lived as a man for 50 years they're assigned at birth sex was eventually discovered and this big court case ensued charging albert with fraud because women can't fight in the army so they were trying to say you're a woman we need to take your pension back and it's just a really the life he lived is so remarkable and he came from louth and there's a mural for him for, for him um in clotterhead in loud but aside from that he's really not that well known so there's this this production has been devised by a group of five actors and a director and look it's just I I love it and I'm so proud of it and it's been really draining to be rehearsing it and like commuting up and down to Drogheda but we're going to 17 venues across the country and starting with Drogheda this Thursday then Kilkenny then we're in Tala next week so yeah if this is something that you might be interested in 
please do check out the link I'll put in the show notes um, a link tree to Quintessence Theatre Company's list of all the venues and ways that you can book tickets or feel free to share it around and yeah if you have any questions or anything feel free to give me a message this is like the podcast is a passion project of mine that I do on the side and acting is what I do as a career but obviously I work for a very um lesser known small independent theatre company right now so to have the funding to go on the tour is amazing and now we just need to spread the word as far as possible and try get some audience try rally some audiences in to the theatres so hopefully I will see some of you there and please do stick around after and come up and say hello if you listen to the podcast we'll we'll even be having a four night run in Smock Alley in November to top it all off and I'll probably talk about this again just you know because some people listen to this and you might want to go to the theatre and this is a really good play to go see. I promise you. So I'm going to hand it over to Dara now. If you do like the work that I do, please do give us a follow on social media, on Instagram, Book of Please podcast and Facebook and Twitter. I'm there as well for now. We'll see. Or X, I should say. And uh, if you are in a position that you can financially support the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. I have a once off um, contribution model on buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves. If like me, you're self-employed and your money is quite erratic, that might work for you better. If you are in a position where you can contribute um, monthly, any figure from a euro to tenure, whatever you like. I have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash book of leaves. So thank you, Matthew, who just signed up to the Patreon. You are so welcome and thank you so much for your support and thank you so much to all the other amazing patrons who have supported me so much over the last four years with this podcast. I really appreciate it. Okay, so that is enough from me. I'm going to hand it over to Dara now, but just so you know, the first 10 minutes are fine, but then the last bit, my laptop had some technical issues and we restarted the recording, but my voice is being picked up by the wrong microphone so I don't sound as nice and comfortable as I do here but thankfully I'm not the one doing most of the talking Dara is and Dara sounds really nice so apologies now about that Um, hopefully it won't grate your eardrums too much Um, anything that Dara mentions is in the show notes and yeah I hope you guys enjoy and I'll catch you after briefly So I'm Dara Wynn. I'm from Galway and have been living in Dublin for the last few years. And in terms of yeah, what I do in the climate space, the main activity that I do is I run a podcast called The Climate Alarm Clock with a couple of friends of mine. Basically, it's a climate news podcast where when we're up and running every week, a few of us get together and discuss the week's climate news and try to do it in a sort of frank way. Uh, where we're talking about how it makes us feel, but also in an understandable, accessible way where people hopefully understand it and come away with ideas of maybe some actions they can take in response to it rather than just kind of hearing terrifying news passively. That's so true. And something that we will delve deeper into later because it's unfortunately too apt right now to have those kind of um, skills and coping mechanisms with all that's going on. But I guess I know you like before that you also did the climate change and communications course in DCU. We had Katrina Kenny, who was also a student, who's another brilliant climate communicator. She was in your year, wasn't she? 
she was yeah yeah no Katrina's yeah. amazing and yeah yeah she does just such uh such amazing stuff and yeah did a great episode of this podcast with you as well yeah 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 and she's been on Climate Alarm Clock as well she's a brilliant activist but I guess yeah. to go into a course like that you obviously had to have some kind of awareness and care of the environment and what was happening when did that start for you like was that in your childhood or was it in your as an adult at some stage and, and who inspired you to kind of get active this is something I think about a lot and I don't think for me there was ever a real light bulb moment as such or a you know a real like sudden awakening I think there was a few a few stories or a few people that when I think back on that now I can see they were pivotal moments the first one was back in 2009 I would have been in first year in college and went to one of my friend's house to his like home house and met his mother we were having dinner and she said oh yeah we're having a vegetarian meal because we don't eat meat in this house for environmental reasons we only eat it one or two times a week and this was in 2009 and I remember thinking (laughs) this woman is absolutely mad (laughs) What is she on about? Like, uh, genuinely, it was just like this. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is this is uh, nonsense. But obviously, you know, kind of stuck with me. And another thing I think that happened around the same time was a friend of mine from school who's an amazing musician. And after secondary school, he went to Glasgow for a year to do music. And after first year, he left that course and moved back to Ireland and did started doing a course in renewable energy engineering um and has since gone on like to do uh, a phd in that and i remember at the time being like i can't believe that pete isn't going to be doing music um this renewable energy thing this climate thing must be important and so kind of looking back on those now those two incidents definitely you know it wasn't an immediate planted seeds exactly kind of spurred like was just there like working away in the background and then in 2016 I moved to Kenya I was teaching in an international school over there for a couple of years and that kind of that's sort of when a lot of pennies started to drop I think because teaching is what is teaching what you trained in initially like to to become a secondary school teacher trained as a primary school teacher primary school. Um, and ended up working as a music teacher in primary schools in London for a couple of years and then moved to Kenya to teach music in an international school and I think being there seeing inequality you know just like really seeing it so blatantly and so obviously in front of you really questioning you know western lifestyles and all the things we consume and do that don't actually make us happy (laughs) at all and are doing you know damage to the planet and to other people and to ourselves I think also seeing the nature over there and the wildlife over there and really having an appreciation of that and just you know absolute wonder and amazement at it Um, And I think around that time then I was maybe starting to read some articles, becoming a bit more aware, figuring stuff out to the point that when I got back to Ireland in 2018, you know, I was over in Kenya and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to do something, but sure, there's no point in me doing anything here because I'm not going to be here very long. So I'll wait till I get back to Ireland. When I got back to Ireland in 2018, I was kind of totally overridden with climate anxiety I would say and literally you know having no network like thinking I'm the only one who knows about this I'm the only one who cares yeah really being really worried and just really not knowing what to do or where to go with it at all 
And I remember then this would have been sort of September 2018. And then a couple of months later, the IPCC 1.5 report came out. And I remember Mm. that was headline news. And I remember thinking, great, this is great. It's been announced. I mean, it's on the news. We're We're all on the same page now. Wonderful. We're going to sort it out. And I genuinely like which is so funny looking back now and thinking about how we talk about these issues on the podcast. But I genuinely thought, oh, that's great. We're going to sort it out. Isn't that brilliant that we, you know, this report has come out, you know, totally unaware that these reports have been coming out for the last 25 years and we'd be doing nothing about it. And so I was living in Limerick at the time and was chatting to one friend and was saying, oh, I'm thinking of, I really want to do something. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking of starting a podcast. But I remember anyways, this friend of mine was like, definitely very influential. He was like, yeah, just do it. He was like, because we'd have a lot of friends who were doing cool things in, in theatre and music and all sorts of things. He was like, just do it. He was like, look at what all our friends are doing. Just like, go for it. And his girlfriend, who is now a great friend of mine, who I didn't really know at the time, was interested. He's like, oh, talk talk to Eleanor about it. So I was talking to Eleanor about it. And what we ended up doing was a podcast. This would have been in 2019 called Carbon Neutral Lent. So it was myself and Eleanor decided to try and keep track of our emissions for uh, electricity, heating, transport and food for Lent and sort of have a weekly tally and try to get it lower every week and then offset our emissions at the end of Lent by planting trees down at Home Tree. Once again, like looking back, I'm like, oh, there's so many problematic things there in terms of personal carbon footprint and offsetting or whatever. But it was an amazing, amazing learning experience. Of course, um, yeah. really good and just also that feeling of like oh I'm doing something here and I'm having these conversations and I'm you know learning myself and like learned so much through that from there I was like okay I need to learn more I need to do more and that's when I that's when I signed up to do that master's in DCU and that kind of yeah really felt like the start of where I am now with with everything and what I'm doing yeah it's kind of great to be in a space where you're surrounded by like-minded people what advice would you have for people who had that same feeling as you did when you came back from Kenya feeling like you were completely alone because even as much as climate change is in the news today it can still feel very lonely if you don't know any activists or you know your friends or family don't really seem to care so would you have any advice or actionable things that people can do to try not have that feeling yeah for sure I think the first thing to be aware of that I find once again strangely reassuring is you know any of the research that's done in Ireland about climate change and people last people's attitudes towards climate change finds like at least around 70% of people are worried about climate change. Um, Uh. That's from an ESRI study and there's one from the EPA that it's something like 84% of people are alarmed or concerned about climate change. So the first thing is to be aware that you're in the majority. You know, if you're worried about climate change and you have these concerns, first of all, it's a totally normal thing. Like it is something you should be worried about. It is a worrying situation. Secondly, you're in the majority. Most people are worried about climate change. And that's something that I think even if you're just aware of that, that there's this whole weird psychosocial thing going on that loads of people are worried about it. Nobody's talking about it. So in the first instance, you know, maybe you have raised it with some people and they have sort of pushed back and been dismissive or whatever. But the chances are, if you reach out to more people in your circle, you will eventually find someone who gets it or has felt something similar to what you're feeling at some point. But medium term or longer term, I think finding 
finding a network or finding a, a group of people who are kind of active in the space, be that an online community or be that, you know, an in-person um, community, but sort of finding finding people who are as concerned as you and have maybe been around it all a bit longer than you. Finding a little niche and a little space for yourself where you can just really, yeah, I guess, talk frankly about how you're feeling and figure out what you're going to do with those feelings yeah there's local groups set up by people like Katrina who we were talking about earlier who has a couple of different mm. initiatives in Cabra you know there's always going to be something near you um, and I think you know meeting up physically is great if you can with like your local town but obviously online is just as good and Facebook groups and stuff or whatever and also what's really nice when you have find those people that already know how bad climate change is you also don't have to talk about it <laughs> you also absolutely you know that way you're like you don't need to bring up the fact that hey guys do you know that there's been like a really bad earthquake in morocco and like this is this is really bad and unusual etc cetera, etc cetera. you can actually just go yeah we're all on the same page yeah, yeah. for sure and I think, yeah, and I think there's something as well about like when you're there on your own, it's your problem. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about how I'm feeling? And then suddenly once you, once it becomes this kind of social thing, then it's this amazing opportunity and amazing experience where it's like the world is going through a terrible time, but look at all these amazing people, <laughs> you know, doing amazing things. And like, you know, the the sort of, and I know it's the same for you, like you just meet the most amazing, inspirational people when you're involved in this space. And it's so, so enriching and yeah, just lovely. Big time, absolutely. And then I guess to kind of hone in on the podcast stuff that you did, I had no idea about the first one that you did. So I'll have to, is that still available <laughs> for people to listen to? I thought COVID I... alarm clock was there first. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh no, if you listen back to this one, it's very, very clear. It's That's the first one. It's uh, <laughs> very, very, very amateurish. It is still there, yeah. I think it's still there. We didn't, I'll have to go we didn't it take it down. There is some good stuff in it, I think, and there's some cool interviews with people. Um, and it's very much us figuring it out as we go in every sense. And I think there's something nice about that. But yeah, you'd have to be a fairly... You'd have to be a fairly dedicated, hardcore podcast listener to get through the whole series, I think. Yeah. 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 And then, um, so you started the COVID alarm clock while you were in DCU. So it was finished. I was, so I would have done the course in one year. So then at the end of that year, that's sort of when it started the COVID alarm clock. Yeah. So the COVID alarm clock was a seven part series, I think, looking at the parallels between COVID and climate change and kind of trying to use everyone's experience of COVID as a learning opportunity for climate change and looking at the parallels between those. So that did that with a friend of mine from the Masters called Ellen Hegarty. So that was kind of at the end of the Masters. Yeah, we were just chatting about this idea. You know, I think a lot of people in the climate space when COVID happened started, you know, viewing climate yeah. through that lens and, you know, yeah. um, so we kind of said, will we try and flesh it out a bit and turn it into a podcast? So we did. Every episode covered a different topic. One was looking at science and one was looking at the media. And I think there was economics and politics and maybe an introductory one and a closing it's one. It's such um, a good series. Like that's, I didn't know it. Like I start, just started listening to that. And we only got chatting because I was sharing that podcast on my Instagram and like, everyone needs to listen to this. It was so well edited and so just like all your points were so good like talking about how the media talks about covid and how it talks about climate and how we have one emergency and we're reacting to it like this why don't we 
react to this other bigger emergency in a similar way. It was such a good podcast. So then it's a, it's one of the best limited series I've listened to for sure. And then do you think the media, because they're used, the media used to never talk about climate, but now climate disasters are happening so frequently that they kind, they kind of are talking about it, but now it's like they'll talk about it on the news or on the radio and then they'll jump to a competition to wear, you know, free knickers for six months or something. And I'm just like, how does this... <laughs> Are we giving this enough weight? Well, competition to fly around the world somewhere yeah, or to yeah, win a new yeah, yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Stop. Yeah, exactly. So how do you feel? Like, do you think there's any improvements in the media? Like, what else does can the media do better? Yeah. So I think, like, going back to the COVID alarm clock, on our media episode, one of us said something along the lines of, you know, if the media were covering COVID the way they cover climate, they would be talking about lockdowns and they would be talking about restrictions and without ever mentioning the virus or the deaths or the illness at all. That was kind of the parallel we drew. Yeah, that was kind of where the inspiration for the for the climate alarm clock came from was that episode realizing, oh, there actually isn't a media there there isn't the same kind of access to information about climate change as there was about COVID. So it's like, oh let's Let's us do something about it. So that's why we started the Climate Alarm Clock and it started off with the news. Um, There was a news roundup and then loads of different features. So you did a little feature for us in our first season and we Birdwatch Ireland did a feature. And the idea was to kind of try to be like the RT News at one, but just for climate. And my hope, like, and still, well, still my ambition with the podcast was that, like, I I hope... I hope an established new uh, radio station steals this format. You know, we were like, listen, listen guys, we've proved it works. Yeah, we've proved yeah. it's listenable. Will you please like take this idea, take this format and send it to the masses? So um, in terms of the coverage improving, like, yeah, I agree with you. It has, it has improved to, to some extent. Like, first of all, to say as well, there are some amazing amazing journalists out there you know doing the climate beat there are some some brilliant people who really really get it and there has been increased coverage but there's just yeah there's still no joining of dots is the way i would look at it you know like we're like you see the the fires in greece or or now the floods in greece or the floods in spain and and you see them being talked about but everything should be being covered through a climate lens you know it's it's still it's still a niche issue it's still a fringe issue it's still like a oh farmers are going to be put out of business by climate regulations and it's like no farmers are going to be put out of business by climate change like look at the flood the floods in greece there i saw that happened in the last couple of weeks 25 percent of their agricultural lands underwater now out of nowhere so it's still it's still the media are talking more about climate action and how that's going to impact us our lives for better or worse you know there is some good coverage about oh this new cycle lane opened or these new bus routes are running but there's still not enough talk about actual climate change about the actual climate impacts that we're going to see and there's also still nowhere near enough political accountability like if you think back once again to covid times whatever a politician was being interviewed at the time there'd always be a question about covid tacked on at the end or at the start and that's what should be happening with climate change it is everyone's responsibility um every single government td every councillor it's everyone's responsibility to be taking climate action and i think sometimes 
the media are really good at just sort of throwing it all on the Greens and throwing it all on the on Eamon Ryan, which really, really suits the other parties. You know, when have you last heard Leo Varadkar being asked about climate change? Like, and the Climate Action Plan actually sits in the Taoiseach's office. It's the Taoiseach's responsibility. And, you know, government are failing massively, like, like inexcusably, terribly. And you never hear the Taoiseach being asked question mm. about climate change and it's uh, like the, the radio interviews and stuff that will be kind of drawn up to get listeners in where they you know they'll get an environment environmentalist versus a farmer like the government has done nothing or done so little to actually help the transition um like that's on them that's not on environmental activists but even if looking at um the irish wildlife trust there poor Fogarty had to leave re- he resigned because yeah. something he that was said in an irish wildlife Tr- trust article about farming had to be redacted and that we have to be skirting the truth to keep farmers happy when it's like it's not one against the other yeah and i think that's like i think what you touch on there about like skirting the truth is like i'm all for debate and i'm all for letting everyone's opinions and everyone's voices be heard but the problem is so many of the, the debates take place without having all the facts there you know, it's like, OK, let's have this debate, but let's do it in the context of the fact that the world is in terrible trouble when it comes to the climate already in loads of places and it's going to get worse. And that, you know, the future that we're going to the world we're going to live in in 20 years is going to be totally different to the one that we're living in now. Like that is a fact. So let's take that into account when we're having the debates um, rather than. There's so many of the debates where people just think we can keep going on business as usual, where, you know, where we can't. I mean, I'm all for debates, but they need to be kind of grounded in in what's actually happening to the planet. Yeah, as opposed to just getting two people who have a vague idea to disagree with each other just to get clickbait and listeners. In, exactly. Think yeah. Happens a lot. So, and so much. You- obviously talking about the news and what you guys cover and you can hear it in your voices between you and Kira and Anna sometimes that you're just like why is it not even doing anything about this like you can really you're the emotion that you guys feel like I do be laughing sometimes listening to you having mini meltdowns or laughing about a situation because I find it so cathartic to listen to other people who feel the same way I do what are your tactics for then you read the news you're looking into it and um, how do you deal with that what's your advice for other people to kind of stay in enough know to know what's happening and be able to talk about it but not reach the point of we're, we've crossed a tipping point what's what's the point in doing anything uh, so first of all to say that everything I'm going to say now is way easier said than done and I often <laughs> Don't this or can't <laughs> can't take my own advice, you know. Um, yeah. So I think, like, first of all, there is a grief element to it all, you know, and to to acknowledge that and to be okay with that. That like we're losing aspects of our natural world, we're losing aspects of our world, um, and have lost. Um, and there's there's grief to that, and there's also grief to you know losing, you know, possible lives that you could have had you know I used to be a music teacher I really really loved that job 
Um, yeah. And was doing that up until last year and kind of then was like, I actually need to be working on this full time. And there is a grief there. There's a parallel universe somewhere where climate change isn't a problem and I'm a music teacher and I'm loving life. Yeah, um, and Pete you know, isn't in renewable energy either. He's a musician too. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. he is loaded and I, <laughs> and I just have... He's just giving me and loads of money. Yeah. Musician right. for him, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there totally. is that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think just acknowledging that they are difficult feelings and there's loads of difficult feelings and taking time to acknowledge those. But in terms of then like what to do to kind of try and try and get out with it or deal with it, like talking to people who get it, talking to those people in your network. Um and usually I find what happens is that, you know, when you're at a low ebb, someone else has just done an amazing action or is doing something great and they're able to kind of pull you up or whatever. And then I suppose just finding things like for me, getting out into nature, that's definitely, and like I said, that when you get involved in climate action, you meet these amazing people. I think another thing for me that when I got involved was I really connected with nature a lot more uh, than I have before. And I think you know, we've lost so much of our wildlife and nature in Ireland, but there are still amazing patches and amazing places where you can really just absorb it and take it in. And yeah, I always find that helps me a lot. Yeah, on top of that, it's trying to do something, you know, trying to take some little bit of action and feel feel like you have a bit of control. So that's what I try to do. And then I suppose the last thing is just, you know, to also try and have fun <laughs> outside of yeah. the climate stuff, you know, because like it's it's e- really easy to get wrapped up in climate action and letting that take over. But like, you know, if you're not having a good time and enjoying life, you know, what what are you fighting for? You what, know, so exactly, yeah. What yeah. is there to fight for? You have to keep find like doing things that you love as well. And I also heard you saying on the Climate Alarm Clock podcast. I don't know if it was about the oh, oh what's the ocean current, the very scary thing if it um the Gulf Stream Gulf Stream. System. Yeah, I remember when you guys were talking about that. I can't remember if it was you or Anna, but one of you were just like, I couldn't read this. I couldn't read it this yeah, week. Yeah, and yeah. And I think that's okay as well. When really Absolutely. scary stuff comes up, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be like, do you yeah. know what? Not right now. Maybe I'll come to it in the future, but I don't have to. Just because I am a climate activist, like I don't have to take this in. Have you got any tips for when it comes to communicating climate outside of our climate bubble? Uh, so, I mean, I think going back to the examples that I gave at the start you know of my story and my journey was that like that was someone in 2000 like two things that happened in 2009 and it kind of took seven or eight years for me to become aware of it so I think being aware with that you know it's not your responsibility (laughs) to make anyone else wake up to climate change and if you are able to just communicate and you know, show that you care. If you caring about the environment and you care, caring about climate change is, you know, part of who you are and what you do. If you can just keep bringing that to the people in your lives, you know, that hopefully they're hearing things from in other aspects of their lives. Maybe they're hearing things in the news. Maybe they're hearing things from another friend in a different circle who's concerned. And that over time, the penny drops for them. So, yeah, in terms of communicating to those people, I think trying to just sort of bring what you can and not expect immediate change i think it's once again way easier said than done um but i think that's definitely something from reflecting on on my own journey that's definitely what happened with me and i think does happen 
with other people as well that it's it's not necessarily that someone's going to have an epiphany or a light bulb moment it's lots of little things over time and then i suppose the other thing that i'd say on communications is within reason like to not to not overthink it you know you sometimes hear about like oh we have to get the climate messaging right which is kind of true but the reason that there's so much pressure on us as individuals to get the climate messaging right is because the media are doing a bad job politicians are doing a bad job and there's loads of greenwashing and delay tactics going on from these you know super super rich fossil fuel companies none of that's on you so don't overthink like oh you know this is really important and i really need to get through to this person so i need to be bang on about this it's like no it's not your job you just communicated in what in any which way and if everyone was doing that then the penny would drop for people so yeah i think as long as you're doing it you're doing it right is what i would say within reason yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're doing something you know as exactly that's such a good point and obviously so that those seeds that were planted for you is kind of like those people probably maybe your maybe your friend who works in renewable energies know but maybe your friend's mom might never know the kind of ripple effect that she had are there any other moments of the kind of power of the ripple effect that you've experienced from either people listening to your podcast or the activism that you and your peers have been doing where people have come and told you or let you know that because of something you said or did that they changed a behavior or I think one lovely thing was I can't remember if it was the second season or the third season of the podcast that we got a really good friend of mine Kira Daly who had very little background in climate change or didn't know too much and we kind of got her on as the every man every woman to yeah because we yeah. end up using lingo and she's like what what's what's ipcc like you know yeah, yeah exactly she's, she's brilliant she's so funny yeah. she's such a breath yeah, actually, yeah she she kind of knows a bit too much now so i don't know but so that <laughs> season that she came on she was basically having these climate epiphanies and these climate realizations in front of the microphone and in front of the camera on zoom yeah. and that was just like that was just amazing. That was like, I don't know if it's quite a ripple effect, but that was really, really brilliant to see. And yeah, I suppose in terms of ripple effects, I, like I liked, I, I kind of think about it more in terms of, uh, you know, it's kind of a little activist ecosystem and everyone's kind of linked to everyone and everyone is, you know, helping each other along in different ways. And I think that's that's the really lovely thing or that's the really lovely feedback that we get um, from the podcast is that you know occasionally we'll get messages from people and we're like I can't believe that they're that they're listening to our podcast and like they're doing amazing stuff and they're listening to us you know so I think I think that's always nice we you know we we get those messages uh every so often and then we see what those people are doing and we're like oh that's amazing you know that we're all yeah we're all in this together and we're all kind of connected to each other um so I think because we do the podcast and we get that feedback, we get to see that very obviously. Whereas, yeah. obviously, there are other people in doing different things in activism that you know mightn't be in a position to receive that kind of feedback or acknowledgement. But, um, but it's there, like it, it is, is there. there. You might, Absolutely, yeah, you just yeah. might not know yeah. about it. Yeah, that's the beauty. That's so cool. And do you have any kind of favorite moments from protests or gatherings or anything since you've become? Uh, an activist that you think about and make you feel all warm and happy inside um yeah I think so as I said it was sort of 2018 2019 where I was figuring it all out and I remember doing an episode of Carbon Neutral Lent when there was some strikes on maybe it was in March 2019 
mm. and went into the strike in Limerick and didn't know exactly where it was on and kind of turned up to where I thought it was and there was no one there and I was like oh this is so so depressing and then I walked on a bit and turned around a corner and got to city council buildings and there was a few hundred people there and it was it was amazing, and I'm not. I think has, has have you heard Sirsha Exton on the podcast? Yeah, Sirsha's been on before. Um, yeah, she's brilliant. So, so she was. I think this was maybe one of the first climate speeches she had ever given in like, you know, March 2019. Was she 14 or 15? Yeah. And I remember just being, yeah, abs- absolutely in awe at her and everyone else that was speaking there at the, on the day and showed up on the day. You know, um, so that's one that really really sticks with me the climate case ireland they did a talk in patagonia the night before the verdict and i remember hearing andrew jackson and claude daly speaking and going up to going up to them after was like with tears in my eyes been like that you know it was just one of those things of like realizing there's all these people out there doing all these amazing things in uh in different walks of life um which is, yeah, which is really nice to see. That's so lovely to hear. And just before we start wrapping up, there's one more kind of question that I've asked a couple of guests, but obviously when on the Climate Alarm Clock, you give people actions that they can take. So it's not just like depressing news, depressing news. Here's an event you can do. Here's something you can upscale or you can read or you can check out or documentary to watch or whatever. But within that, how do you see individual action versus systemic action I see we need both, but then some people are like, it's too late for indiv- individual, we need sy- systemic. So how, what's your approach to this and how would you kind of, how would you see it? So first of all, we absolutely need systemic action at, you know, a majorly rapid pace. And we do need that political leadership and, you know, a real plan to get us to where we need to go. And we, as individuals, you know, where we can should be putting pressure on politicians to try and make that change happen. But I suppose in terms of the individual action, you know, we need to be living, the the world we're living in the future needs to be one where we're consuming less meat, for example. That's something you can do now, you know. They're, not everyone's in a position that they can use their car less and use public transport more or cycle more, but some people are and, you know, that's something you can do now you know same with a lot of same with a lot of actions same even with with flying you know some people need to fly for various reasons and i would include people who have really crazy busy lives and need to get away for a while every so often like that is to me a legitimate reason for flying and if we fix that crazy busy system that we had people would need to fly but there are things that you know we don't need to wait for the systemic action to make those changes and the impact that those individual changes can have in actually changing cultural norms and changing behaviors, the two things are just so, so connected. Um, and I guess the other thing about taking those individual actions is, first of all, it gives you a sense of control. You feel like you're doing something, you're making an impact. It also really yeah. links to that. It also really links to that communications thing. You know, if you're trying to get across to people, when they see that you're doing these things or taking those actions it's another level of communication you know and i suppose the other thing about taking those individual actions is that you know for the most part they're not sacrifices 
you know there yes, changes yeah. you know there changes in your lives like i don't know how long i've been vegetarian for you know but it it made me a better cook and probably a bit healthier and that kind of thing um i'm really lucky that i live in dublin i don't need a car but i absolutely love my bike you know what i mean like it's just it's just great and has added a whole new uh dimension to my life you know what i mean so yeah not, yeah so not seeing those things as sacrifices, just seeing them as as changes. But having said that, we're not going to get we're not going to get anywhere near the level of change uh, that we need without some serious serious leadership from from politicians and yeah. and from the media. Yeah, but that's a really like totally agree with you. But I've actually never thought about it in the way that you worded it there. Of um, it's not just individual individual action. So you feel a sense of control and like that you are making a difference, which I do believe. But the fact that that is the world, that's the future we need. The future we need is going to have people eating less animal products because it's just it's not sustainable. Like we're over consuming. So this culture of overconsumption that we have of overconsuming flights of overconsuming virgin plastic new clothes like and ignoring circular like that is all going to have to change from a systemic level and you can kind of get ahead of that and start doing that and inspiring your peers to do the same by going down the same paths towards the systemic changes that we also need to see so i've yeah i just never heard about it that way so that's a really cool way of thinking about it are there any other leaves or tips that you would like to give listeners before i ask my last question i might shout out a couple of little events maybe if there's absolutely uh, so i suppose in terms of a couple of things that are coming up that people can potentially get involved with or go to there's an amazing climate psychology conference on on the 15th of september in dublin in pierce library being run by uh the psi with a great lineup we are actually running a online climate cafe on either the 26th or 27th of september uh so there's a climate cafe group and the climate alarm clock are kind of teaming up so we'll have an event right going out for that in the next few days so if you are one of those people that wants to have a talk about climate change but doesn't know where to go, then this Climate Cafe will be right up your alley. And then on the 3rd of November as well, there's an amazing looking conference about the role of the universities in tackling the planetary emergency uh, in NUIG. So there, there are a few things that I'm really excited about. So just said I'd... Exactly. And then to finish off, Dara, so imagine we flash forward to the future in a time machine... What is one of your favorite things about the this future that the one that we we want to head towards? Uh, this is a great question. So I think first of all, people will be working way less. It will be like a a three day week, three day work week. I'd Woo-hoo! say so. People are just less stressed and have more time to do the things they love. We would have a lot more. Uh, access to nature and connection with nature yeah so just people sort of more in touch with their environment and their surroundings and all the amazing personal um collective benefits that that brings and we would have yeah a lot more locally produced and locally uh grown food and just yeah a lot you know much much stronger communities greater sense of belonging for more people yeah Ah, and that sounds like an absolute dream and where can people find you on socials and i presume your podcast is available wherever people get their podcasts 
It is, yeah. It's available wherever people get their podcasts. So that's the Climate Alarm Clock. Uh, our new season will be starting in the next week or two. Yay! Um, and yeah, we're on Twitter at the Climate Alarm. I think we're on Mastodon at the Climate Alarm as well, but I don't know if we are using that much at all. And we're on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock. So yeah, if anyone does want to reach out about anything at any stage, do just send us a message through any of those platforms. Amazing. Dara, thank you so much for giving me your time on a Sunday. There you are now. So if the links aren't live for the three events that he was chatting about there, I will find them and, and I'll put them in the show notes if I can find them. And if I can't find them, if they're not up yet, I'll be sharing them on my socials. So keep an eye on Climate Alarm Clock's page and Book of Leaves and you won't miss anything there. Really do give his podcast a listen to and hopefully you can take a leaf or two out of Dara's book when it comes to communicating about climate change and knowing that your actions can have an impact and a ripple effect even if no one is telling you about them that doesn't mean that they're not having an impact you know so if you've any requests of topics or suggestions of people you would like me to interview including yourself get in touch and email or on my socials book of these podcasts at gmail.com and i'll be more than happy to oblige if you fit within the niche so thanks so much for listening and give this episode a share mind yourselves mind each other mind the planet sending you lots of love Bye.